This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. I want to welcome all of you that are watching online this evening. Glad you can be with us. Hope you got a Bible there someplace. We're going to get in the Word, and we're going to have a great time in Him. So, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, did you all have a good day today? How many of you thank God for air conditioning right now? Huh? I tell you what, man. She uh, has been balmy. I got in the car this evening, and my wife had the uh, thermostat... uh, or the control set to 74. And uh, I said, what's up with this? And so we immediately turned it to 68. And uh, I don't know. Well, then she got out of the car here, you know, goes, oh man, this feels so good. She likes warm weather, what can I say? Praise the Lord. But there's a limit, don't you think? Yeah, amen. Well, anyway, praise God. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles together tonight again to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be talking about changing the way that we think once again. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for His Word. Changed my life. You know, I didn't know a whole lot until somebody told me I needed to get saved. Once I got saved, I still didn't know a whole much. And even now after, let's see, almost 50 years, I still don't know too much. But, you know, you can stumble across a few things in 50 years, you know. But thank God for His Word, because it is transformational. It's life-changing. And I tell you what, praise God, it's, it's everything to the believer, to the child of God. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into what I want to share with you this evening. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity as we gather in the name of Jesus. You said in your Word that we're two or more gathered in your name. You're in our midst. And so we just want to thank you tonight, Father, for having graced us here with your presence But not only that, for what you've done through your divine purposes in sending Jesus so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. We thank you for the life that is in us, the comforter that's been sent, that which you promised, the fulfillment of those things, Father, that he might lead, guide us, and direct us, bring all things to our remembrance, whatever it is that you've spoken to us. So we thank you tonight, Father, for your living word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. So we're talking about how we think. How we think. Pretty important. You know, when it comes to your course and the direction of your life and, uh, and our lives' outcomes. You know, I, I regularly I'm so thankful that I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 19 because I'm pretty well convinced I wouldn't be alive right now, you know, if I hadn't met him. Just because of the direction, the lifestyle, the thinking, mindsets, all of the things that are associated with, you know, um, our our environments and associations and things of that nature. But thank God I got a hold of his word and that changed a lot of things. Can you turn this down just a little bit? seems like it's loud. So it's such a critical and vitally important discipline in our lives when we become believers to change our pattern of thinking so that we can experience successful Christian living. Now there's another concept right there in and of itself, a a simple concept. When Jesus said, I came so that you could have life and life more abundant and that he wanted us to live victoriously as a Christian, I never knew that. I mean, I didn't know that I even understood uh, the, 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 parameters or groundwork of Christianity. 
But you know, from what I, I had seen at least up to that point, I, I didn't see anybody being very successful or victorious. Now they espouse Christianity and they probably love Jesus, but evidently there were certain things within the Bible that they hadn't come across or hadn't been taught or whatever the case might be. So <clears throat> you miss out on a lot. And you know, some of that I'm sure is probably part of um, theology that, that surrounds God's sovereignty and that he's in control and all of those different kinds of dynamics. And God is sovereign. And no question about it, dude, he's in control. He's got this thing figured out. Aren't you glad for that? You know, but yet at the same time, there's still a manward side. You know, what you and I say about things, you know. Jesus often would ask people, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, he wanted to know what their will was in the situation. And a lot of times when he asked a question, it was pretty apparent. You know, they were infirmed and crippled, or maybe they were blind or whatever, you know. But he still asked the question, what do you want? You are a free moral agent. And, and God gives you that agency to be able to make decisions and choose and things of that nature as to how your life will be. You know, that's why he said, choose life so that you and your seed can live, you know? And so there are choices, and yet the devil, the god of this world, has managed to, um, I'd say, dupe uh, people into thinking that they don't have much of a say-so in a lot of the things that go on within their lives. But the fact of the matter is, is you, you most certainly do, you know? And so it becomes important for us to, you know, get these truths uh, down within uh, our, our heart and in our thinking. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what we wanna do is make sure that our thought life and our thinking and what it is that's been deposited as a seed within our heart is the right kind of information. How many of you believe that? And it's a process, you know, it's not something you arrive at overnight. And like I said, when I got started, I didn't even know I needed to get saved. But thank God somebody told me the truth. And that truth set me free. But even at that, you know, I, I didn't know straight up from Sikkim. I mean, I didn't know nothing except the fact I knew Jesus was real. How many of you glad tonight you know he's real? You may not have all of life figured out, you know, and this and that and the other, but thank God he's real. And, uh, and it's so wonderful. When, uh, <clears throat> when the Lord spoke to uh, Joshua, he, he had to fill the, uh, the, the shoes of Moses, who had served as the leader to uh, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. When he died, then God visited uh, Joshua and he gave him some instructions. And you know, uh, he said, Moses, my servant's dead. Now you're the one that's gonna take the lead and here's what you're gonna do. I want you to be courageous and strong. There again, another simple concept, you know, a lot of people don't think in, in, in terms of a Christian being courageous or strong. You know, most of the time it's, it's, it's somehow um, communicated that there's weakness. There's, there's nothing weak about being a child of the living God. Are you listening to me? But yet, a lot of times that's the way people kind of, you know, when people say, well, you need to be humble and you need, and yes, you do. I mean, the Bible teaches humility. But you know, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. And you know what the word meek by definition in the Hebrew means? It means the fruit of power. 
So what that means is Moses, he didn't have any pretense. He wasn't trying to prove anything to anybody. He didn't have to. He was the servant of God. He was the one had, that had been chosen. So he didn't have to, you know, put on, you know, airs or anything. He just went about doing what it is that he did. Thank God. There was confidence about him. How many of you know God wants you to have confidence? The Bible says that in quietness and confidence, that will be your strength. But if you're confused and you're, you know, feeling weak and all these other thinking weak, things of that nature, then, then you can't accomplish the things that God would have you to where your life is concerned. So those are truths. They're very, very simple, you know, as, as a concept, but they're so powerful. And so it's important that we understand those things. So anyway, when he was giving Joshua the instruction, uh, he said, you're going you're gonna to lead the nation of Israel into the land that I promised them. It's taken a whole generation to get rid of, you know, a bunch of stiff-necked folk, but here we are. So he said, this book of the law, or what we would refer to as the Pentateuch, you know, the five first books of the Bible, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So the first thing he told him is, is always keep God's word on your lips. Talk about the word. You know, when you're talking and having conversation, if there's something, you know, that comes up within you as a matter of reference, you know, the Bible says, or, you know, I remember this story where God said, or something like, keep it on your lips, talk about it, hallelujah. Now, a lot of folk, you know, if they're unregenerate, if they don't know Jesus, I suppose there's a chance they could feel a little uncomfortable, but you know what? You're a witness in this earth. And praise God, the things that come out of your lips are important, even to them, even though they may not know it. Are you listening to me? So he said, this book of the law should never depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate. Everybody say meditate. Meditate, ponder, consider, think about. It's like when you get mad and you start meditating on the wrong things. Can I get away? It's so easy. I mean, you can spend a lot of time thinking along those lines, can't you? Yeah, well, God wants you to turn that around, think about something else. So thou shalt meditate. So he says, this book of the law shall not depart, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, that seems like a bit of a <clears throat> tall order, but the reality is, is, you know, we need to be thinking about the word. Hallelujah. Day and night that thou mayest observe to do. And that's the purpose for our meditation is to really think about what it is that God said and ask ourselves a simple question. Am I doing it? Am I practicing it? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? You know, am I laying my life down? Am I living sacrificially? Am I, you know, humbling myself under the mighty hand of God that I may be exalted in due season? All of these different kinds of concepts and things that within our devotion to him, we can ask those questions. But he said, uh, meditate in it so that you can observe to do according to all that is written therein. James said, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer thereof also. Doing the word is what produces results. Being a person who practices the Bible, listens to what it says, hears what it's communicating, and does it, that person, the Bible says, he'll be blessed in all his deed. So he said, he said, for then you will make your way prosperous. Now, I don't know a person on the planet that doesn't want to prosper. Okay, unless there's something really wrong with their thinking, huh? Am I in the right house? So I want to make sure. 
So he said, if you'll do these things, then and only then will you make your way prosperous and then and only then will you have good success. We're going to have a celebration of life this Saturday. And Johnny Richardson went on to be with the Lord here a day or two ago. And uh, we were talking to them and, and, uh, and talking to Isla. And they came to this church in 1989. Isla actually was, uh, had maybe come a year before that. So then let's just say that they've been here almost 35 years of their life. Johnny didn't come with Isla the first time. And there's a great story in all of that. We, during that period in their lives, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of things that had gone on, but, but we were having a drought and there wasn't much water. And, and uh, Johnny, you know, was uh, looking out the back window and he said, you see that field over there? If we don't get rain in a certain part, you know, it ain't going to happen. Well, that night, Saturday night, I think he was evidently prayed that it would rain. And he got up the next morning, never had went to church with Isla at all, got up the next morning and said, I'm going to go to church with you. And guess what? Sunday, it rained. And not only that, but when he came, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He came walking the aisle and he gave his heart to the Lord. And it is a, it's, a, it's an incredible legacy and a marvelous testimony of what it is that God has done in their lives. And not just them, so many others, you know, Phyllis and Ted, Deanna and Terrell, all of us, you know. I mean, our lives have been blessed. He said, then you'll make your way prosperous, you'll have good success. And that just, I mean, listen, you guys, the word works. It works, you know. And, and again, you know, people, they, there's bumps in the road of life. There are unexpected things that, that come our way. And a lot of times, you know, these things, when they occur and they happen, you know, they can really, they can make us start flying upside down for a while. And that's what they're really intended to do. You know, and again, they had a tragedy within their life, you know, and we were talking about that. I'm talking about Johnny and Isla. Um, they had lost a son that was only six years old in a farm accident. And um, I think that that really uh, naturally would have impacted you. The first thought that hell brings to you or to any person in circumstances like that, you know, is, is why did this happen to me? You know, how could this happen to me? God, why did you do this? Well, the fact of the matter is God didn't do it. But when you don't know those things, man, you're in no man's land. So thank God for his living word, amen, and the truth that said, see, hell wants to blame God for everything. And the fact of the matter is, is that what hell does is cloaked within the canopy of that lie. God is a good God. Are you listening to me? Amen. And so it's important for us to understand that. But again, a lot of folks, they don't, um, they haven't heard it or they don't believe it. And, and again, a lot of times that's because of really, really strong embedded roots, strongholds that have gotten into people. And until you can get enough of the word of God to extract or to, to remove it, um, it, it's a tall order and it takes work. 
You know, some things that have been deeply embedded within people, you know, their lives have been so jaded, they become bitter or unforgiving or whatever. You know, it takes, it takes the power of God and his word to be able to heal them and get them set free. Are you listening to me? We had a bunch of, we had an old fence line, a bunch of, I call it just pucker brush, you know, and stuff that was, it was starting to, you know, invade the field and it was going down in the ditch and it was all over the place. And so I decided I'm going to get all that cleaned up and get rid of it. Well, when I got into it, you know, and started digging it uh, out and, and I mean, there are roots everywhere, everywhere. It seemed like the, dig, the deeper I dug, the more they came up. And, and that's the way, you know, sometimes things happen in our lives. And you say, so is there a way that we can, we can fix that? Absolutely. Hallelujah. You know, and it's the word of God, the washing of the water of the word. Many of you here, you know, in this sanctuary, you've had things happen to you, you know, in your lives, in your past, and they've been painful and, and they've been hurtful and they have pulled you up, you know, and, and you've had to work through those things and process through. Well, hopefully you've been able to do that. Many, they have not, you know, and so they're still parked, you know, by something, whatever it is that it might be. But I'm telling you what, God wants you to be free. You know, he wants you to be able to move on, carry on, and, and live a life, you know, and I believe with all my heart that he's able to redeem no matter what it is, and everyone's circumstance is different. You know, your upbringing, you know, you may have been in an abusive home, or maybe you had a relationship and it went sideways and it was hurtful and painful, or maybe there was loss. Or, I mean, it, it's all over the place. But I'm just telling you that there's a God in heaven that cares about every one of those circumstances and wants to bring healing and wholeness to it. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. So we just need to know and not uh, allow ourselves to succumb, if that's the right word to use, to um, unhealthy thinking. You've got to get it changed. And, and nobody can do that for you. Are you listening to me? I mean, you're it. I mentioned, I think it was last week, I talked about jo Joyce Meyer. I mean, nobody... I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but you're talking about abusive uh, circumstance. She was abused by her father. I mean, there was all kinds of, you know, essentially hell that went on in that woman's life. And here she is now, almost 80 years old. She preaches in 50 or 60 countries of the world, and God only knows what else. How many books she's written, all these different things. Well, it's because uh, she chose, made choices, did some digging, and got set free. And so, thank God we can do the same thing. Amen? So, there are a lot of things that really give shape and form to the way that we think. You know, you've, you've heard it said, you know, we're products of our environment, and that's certainly true, you know? And uh, uh, we've had, you know, life modeled to us, maybe by our parents. Maybe that model wasn't very good. Am I in the right house? You know, you're going, whoops, I don't know, no, 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 no. Well, you know, that's nothing to, to uh, uh, you get hung up about. You have to decide how you're going to live and what it is that you're going to do. And um, <clears throat> so we are products of our environment, and that'd be true. So the experiences, the associations that we've had or have, upbringings, home life, schooling, church, the information that we've received, all these different kinds of things influence that. So 
I'm just saying that if you got started off on the right foot, thank God there's hope in God. Amen. And if you went down the road of life a ways and something really went wrong, thank God, God can still redeem it and bring blessing to your life. Hallelujah. But it does require work and it requires discipline. You know, you got to, you know, you got to harness your mind, your human mind. And a lot of times hell will bring stuff to you. And that's why when Jesus went to the cross and died, when he was resurrected and came back to the disciples, he made this statement. He said, all power or authority has been given to me in heaven and on this earth. Now you go. So he delegated this authority to you, child of God, believer, so that hell no longer has any hold upon you. But the devil still has a right to be here, and if he can confuse you, if he can mistreat and abuse you, if he can deceive you, if he can lie to you, he will flat do it. That's why you need the word. And that's why when these things come your way, then you can do just like Jesus said when he said, oh no, it is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. You can take authority over your thought life. You have the right to say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I know where these thoughts are coming from and they're not from heaven. And I come against them in the name of Jesus. And that puts a stop to what it is that, you know, you've been pondering, meditating on. All he does is just give you one little, he spoon feeds one thought and then lets you self-destruct. That's why you need the word. So that you can combat these things and see them for what they are. Hallelujah. So, did you all find Romans chapter 12? Good. Sorry about that. Takes me a while to get to my text. You know, Brother Hagin, our spiritual father, he would always take a text, read it. Let's open our Bibles, you know, and then he'd read the text, and then he'd take off on what he said. You know, I, I try to do that, but I don't, I don't get along so good with <laughs> I got to talk first, and then we'll read the Bible. Hallelujah. So anyway, notice here this verse of Scripture we've used as our text here. The Apostle Paul said in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or rational service. And then verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Why? So that you can prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, it seems to indicate or imply that if you renew your mind to the word of God, you'll come to discover what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now again, a very simple concept, but a lot of people, you know, they'll say, well, you can't always know the will of God. Well, seems to contradict what the Bible says because the Bible says not to be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So again, if you couple that scripture there in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and you take this one here so that you can know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, I would say that by golly, you can know God's plan, purpose, and will for your life. Amen. And um, so <clears throat> that's important for us to understand. Here's another translation, New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person.
by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hallelujah. You know, it's just like that song that we sang, you know, and Lauren and, and um, Camden. I knew it was a C. It just took a while. But anyway, when they were singing that song, you know, about the goodness of God. You know, a lot of people, they don't even know about God's goodness in their life. God is good always. You know, when James wrote, he said, listen, my brethren, don't make this mistake. Don't err, beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, which comes down from the Father of lights or the Father of the stars, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, as you watch the stars through the night, they'll be changing and doing this and that and the other. But he's just, he's indicating that God doesn't change. He's constant. He's always good. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? You know, and, and he kind of goes even on further to, to, to you know, kind of seal the deal. And he says, listen, you need to understand that it was God's own will that he gave you life, that he begotten or be, begat, I guess you would say, you by the word of truth. It was his idea. Why? Because he loves you. He loves us. A lot of folk, you know, again, simple concept, but they're not sure that God loves them. And it's typically or usually it's based upon, again, certain experience that maybe they've had, something that someone said, how they've been religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught, all of these. Different. So you got you to work through all those things. And it really does take some time, it takes some effort, it takes some diligence for us to be able to do that. The Phillips translation of this same verse says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is good, meets all of his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? So there are a lot of different verses of Scripture there, or same verse, but a lot of different translations. But being born again is where right thinking begins. Uh, you know, I was trying to think in, you know, in, a, in, in a conceptual kind of way. You've got to get saved if you're ever going to get screwed onto the right bolt. You know what I'm saying? If you're not saved, you're lost. The Bible says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that don't believe so that the glorious light of the gospel would not shine on them. So he says, if our gospel's hid, it's hid to those that are lost. I didn't even know I was lost. Did you know you were lost? I didn't know I was lost. You know, thank God I got found. Are you listening to me? But I didn't know that, you know? And so it, it starts with getting saved so that you can actually see what in the world is going on. You know, here's something. If you look over in Ephesians uh, with me, <clears throat> excuse me real quick, uh, verse or chapter 2, uh, Paul, you know, he describes our condition here in, in verse 1 of the second chapter. He says, And you has he quickened or made alive who are dead in your trespasses and sins. I didn't know I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Okay. I just thought, well, this is how you do life. This is the way it is. You know, we drink and, you know, cuss and get mad and do whatever it is we do and throw dirt. I mean, you know, whatever. I didn't know 
that as the scripture says, that I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And then it says in verse two, wherein in time past, we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil. You see people living the way that they do, it's because they're being led by their nose. And they don't even know it. They are absolutely clueless. You know, the devil uses arrogance and pride to deceive and mislead people. He uses greed and all kinds of things, you know, and, and, and social status, you know, to make them think that they're someone. They're nothing. They're undone. They're lost. They're, as he said, dead in their trespasses and their sins. But notice it goes on then to say here, uh, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our manner of life and time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. I didn't know I was a child of wrath. I, maybe I did. I, you know, I mean, I knew he probably wasn't happy with me. Let's put it that way, you know. Thank God. But God's rich in mercy, his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were a mess, he came in the form of his son and gave his life for us. Aren't you glad for that? So without the Spirit of God dwelling, or yeah, with, without him being in you, you have no point of reference in knowing the truth. You can't know the truth if you don't know him because he is the truth. Hallelujah. But with it, with him, then everything changes, doesn't it? So I tell you what, praise God, you're in a good place tonight if you're born of the Spirit of God. He'll guide you. The guide is dwelling within you to lead you into all the truth. Thank God, and you know it. But you do have to give the Holy Ghost something to work with. <laughs> Are you with me? You know, like I said, well, I got to say it, I didn't know much. But as I got into the book and the book got in me, then the Holy Ghost had something to work with. You know, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do these things until the Bible said, hey, why don't you do this? Uh-huh. And the Holy Ghost would reinforce that. You know, here's another scripture. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, the second epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter 2. And notice this verse. You're familiar with it, but it's good anyway. Notice it says here in verse 15, what's that first word? Maybe yours says something, no, like King James. What's it say? Study. What's it say? Study. Say it one more time. Study. study. How many of you like to study? I tell you what, I would figure out any way on God's green earth not to study when I was in school. I mean, I was never so glad when I was a senior, they had a vocational program that would let us out at noon and we could go play. It was awesome. <laughs> I did learn something, but Al, were you in on that? You did that. Did you go, uh, you were on the job site? Okay. Because they had this vocational program where you could either go do retail, uh, you know, and like pennies, or you could go down to... Uh, gas station and you know turn wrenches and change oil and whatever or you could go build this house I pity the person who bought the house that we built okay all right and I could take you there now it's still standing hallelujah but I'm just saying uh, we had quite a time uh, with all that but anyway where was I talking about oh studying didn't like that so if I could get out of it I would but the fact of the matter is, is that you and I have got to change that way of thinking. When it comes, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, man, when you're, when you're hunting for buried treasure like the Bible, it doesn't make studying that difficult. 
So give diligence or be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. So that just implies that if we don't study and and really get our head you know, screwed on straight, we can wrongly divide it. And we, and that happens all the time. You have to come. I should do this thing. Um, I, I, um, guy by the name of Larry Huggins did this thing, a uh, little booklet called the word, word person's companion to Bible interpretation or something like that. I don't remember what the title was, but one of the things that he talked about was comparing scripture with scripture. You know, and, and the second principle is, is that you need to interpret Scripture within its context. If you take it out of its context, you know, you can pretty much say anything you want. You know, Judas went out and hung himself. Go do thou likewise. You know, I mean, you can, you can make the Bible say whatever it is you want. So we do need to study and compare Scripture with Scripture and so on and so forth. But uh, it's important. So God's method, listen to this. God's method in helping you where you're at where your life is concerned and the needs you have in any given area of your life, his method to help you in that is through the word of God. He said he sent his word and healed them. Now, we always think about that in the context of, you know, physical healing. And, and of course, that would be true. That's God's method, you know, to bring healing to people. Jesus went out and pre- preached you know, he, he taught in their uh, synagogues, preached the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and disease among the people. So healing belongs to us. But the method or the way in which God administers his healing power, again, in any real given area of our life, is through his word. So, you know, if we're being discouraged, feeling discouraged, if we, you know, something's come our way, it's the Word of God that can lift us up and bring us out of that. Are you listening to me? You know, and sometimes, you know, when you're discouraged, the last thing you want to do is read the Bible. Am I in the right house? Huh? There's no real impetus to do it, but thank God you just, you can just hunker down and say, this is what we're going to do. Sometimes you just got to tell your flesh what you're going to do. Sometimes you got to tell your mind, this is what we're going to do. And if you'll do those things, praise God, then blessing will come to you in just short order. Hallelujah. So God's point of reference is always what he has said in his word. Not what somebody else thinks, not what your grandma said, but what it is that he has said in his word. Now, I I was just thinking about this, but let's just take Jesus and Nicodemus. Remember when Nicodemus came under the shadow of night and he said, man, we know you're a teacher from, come from God. Nobody can do the things that you're doing unless God's with him. And Jesus just turned right to him and said, man, unless a man's born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Well, that just, you know, turned Nicodemus upside. He couldn't, he couldn't get his head wrapped around that. Why? Because it was a spiritual truth. Jesus was talking about being born of the Spirit. And he said, well, how can that happen? Can you enter, you know, the mother's womb a second time, be born again? And, and this is the interesting thing about that is, is that Jesus said, well, now, wait a minute. Aren't, aren't you a teacher? You know, and he was. He was a Pharisee. And he says, and, and, and you don't know this? I'm just telling you that, praise God, you need to know what the Word says if you want to know the truth about things. Are you with me? And so uh, my point is, is that he, he, he said, 
well, you know, if you're a teacher of the law, you should surely know this. Well, he, he didn't, of course. But what's the point is Jesus was pointing him to what the Bible had to say. Am I, you understand where I'm coming from? Another place, when the two men were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus kind of snuck up alongside him, and he, and he kept his, his um, uh, what would you say, uh, his identity hidden. And they're talking, you know, and, and uh, um, they're, you know, bummed, basically. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, well, what's the problem? He says, well, what are, what are you talking about, man? You're some kind of a stranger, didn't you hear? Jesus, now they're, we, you know, we hope that he'd be the redeemer and all this, and they crucified him, you know? And then Jesus made this statement. He said this to them. He said to them, O fools, now listen, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Why is that important to you and me? If you want answers to what's going on in your life, it's going to be in that book. Huh? The encouragement, the direction, the guidance, the freedom, if you want to call it that, deliverance, whatever, it's going to be in the Word. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know, sometimes you just got to drive a stake in the ground. You just got to say, God, I don't care. I'm not leaving till I find the blessing of God. Are you listening to me? So he said, those fools, uh, slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And then, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. So he just, he has a recital right there. He explained or expounded unto them in all the scriptures concerning himself. So if you and I want to know the truth about, you know, I, I, I think I made reference to this. I was in the bathroom, you know, and I, I got this thing I write things down with and all this. And, you know, if you want to understand the behavior of people, I mean, why people act the way that they do, it's all in the Bible. It shouldn't really be a surprise. when we, You know, people say, well, how in the world can they act like that? Well, it's because of the God of this world. That's why. You with me? So it shouldn't be surprising to us. So the Bible is a plumb line for all reasonable and accurate thinking and understanding. So when the Bible speaks of our future outcomes and how we should live, you know, we ought to believe that. When, when the Bible says, the Lord is on your side, when the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of my life. I, I, you talk to people all the time, they'll say, well, you know, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Well, that's not God. Huh? No. What's God is, is that surely goodness and mercy is going to dog my tracks. Huh? It's chasing me down, just like we sang about tonight. But you gotta, you got to change the way that you think, don't you? Huh? And you got to know, praise God, that the Lord is on your side. And if he is, that's what the psalmist of old said. David said, the Lord's on my side. You, you got to believe and you got to know that people around David, when he penned that, they thought, man, if he ain't the most arrogant person I've ever seen in my life. Who says that? How does he know? You know? Well, thank God David believes something. Huh? You know, he'd watch God in his life deliver him and, and elevate and exalt him and bring him to this place. And he said, man, the Lord is on my side. Guess what? Tonight, he's on your side. I tell you, he's on your side. 
So there's no use commiserating, you know, over whatever it is that went wrong in our lives. Tonight is a night for us, praise God, to say, you know what? We're going to walk away from all that, and we're moving forward, and we're going up. Because that's where God wants to take us. How many of you believe that? It's so important for us to do that. So anyway... Again, when the Bible speaks of, of future outcomes, what God's, you know, I, nearly every time I'm in the pulpit, I'm talking to people about the fact that Jesus is coming again. That's a future outcome for us as believers. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, well, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm living right here. I'm trying to figure out how to make a living and survive and blah, 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 blah. You know, dude, you got to change the way you think. You have to think differently so that God can come alongside you. Say, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what my circumstance is. I don't care, you know, what it looks like or even how I feel. I believe the word of God and God is good to me. And praise God, he'll provide the needs that we have within our lives. So it's just essential for us to renew our minds, change the way we think to God's way of thinking. And I'm going to stop 10 minutes before 8 o'clock. That's miraculous, isn't it? Hallelujah. I don't know if you could take that. Yeah, Brent's back there going, man, how can you do that? I'll ask you some questions. Maybe you want to write them down. So how does God think about you? If you don't know, you need to get in the Word and see what it has to say. Now, I used that one scripture last week in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. People say, well, I don't believe it. <laughs> what are you going to do? What can you do? You can't do nothing. You know, you got to believe what he said. I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, declares the Lord. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you a future. That's God's thoughts. So you know what? You say, yeah, but how do I, how do I, how do I square that with what's going on in my life? What's going on in your life doesn't have anything to do with what God's will is for your life necessarily you know if it's of a negative nature and the way that you get things changed in your life is to begin believing what he said doing what he said practicing what he said you know the bible says a servant of the lord must not strive so you have to make a decision i don't care what happens i don't care what people say i don't care what they do i am not i will not get in strife with anybody why because strife is a weapon or a device or a scheme of the devil. And unhappy people try to get other people unhappy. You know what I'm saying? So you just gotta say, no, I ain't doing that. Sorry, I was happy before, I'm gonna stay happy now. And they'll get madder still because you won't climb in their muck. You with me? Just say, no, I'm not doing that, you know? Just because people have stinking thinking doesn't mean you have to. Huh? So you have to choose that. So how does God think about you? Here's another question. How do you think about God? It's a good question. Well, I don't really know God. Well, the Bible could probably help you out on that, tell you a little bit about who he is. How do you or how should you think about others? Huh? 
You want to call fire down on their head or you want to be merciful? I mean, if you want to be with the disciples, you know, hey, let's do one of them Elijah deals, baby, and just roast them. Wouldn't that be so much better? That'd make me feel so good. Well, Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Amen? The Bible says that we're to be merciful. Pray for those that despitefully use you, persecute you. That's not something that is normal. And there's certainly, I mean, (laughs) in every experience I've had, it ain't like you feel like doing it. Huh? But yet, praise God, that's what the Bible tells us to do. What is that? That's the high road. How many of you want to take the high road? You know, it's less traveled. There's not near as much congestion. You know, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to do this right. And then you'll be blessed. Praise God. And then uh, I got one more question uh, for you. Um, How do you think about you? That's a big one. It's a huge one, really. Because we are not, when you're in this world, there's nothing that lifts. All of it pushes you down. But thank God the Word doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. Look at Jesus. I mean, he, he had all these interactions with people, and dude, their lives were a mess. And a lot of it was self-imposed. Some of it, maybe not. But, but never was he ever judgmental toward anyone. Are you listening to me? Now, he had righteous judgment. You know, when people thought that, you know, like Pharisees and different ones because of their arrogance, then he had righteous judgment where those things are concerned. But I'm talking about just the ordinary people that he ran into, you know. What did he do? He came to help them. He came to lift them. Now, you got time for one more scripture because it's only uh, 7.53, okay? That 10-minute thing, I just couldn't give it up. Hallelujah. Look at this verse of scripture with me in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. See, the devil is constantly, constantly, constantly trying to sow seeds of defeat, of condemnation, of shame, of guilt, um, discouragement, despair. But you know, you guys, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. So any kind of condemning sentence that gets brought against you in your thought life and your mind, dude, you got to know that's not God. You're not doing that. You ugly thing, you, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. That's not God. You with me? Because he came to lift us up. So in Luke chapter eight or uh, four, um, <clears throat> Notice what Jesus, he went to his own hometown. So he rolls into Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue. They give him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he finds the place where it's written. Thank God for his word. Amen. He find, sometimes, you guys, you've got to find the place that it's written about your life, about your need. Find the place where it's written about what God's will is for your life. Okay. So in this one, it says, in verse 18, he said, he found a place where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, number one, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to sit, set, 
at liberty those that are bruised or oppressed, really is the word, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the minister and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And the Bible says that the people marveled at, the, at, at what it is that he just got done saying. So I have a question for you. He said, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to do these things, set the captive free, you know, um, 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 preach the gospel to the poor, all of the things that are written in there. So my question to you this evening is, um, how would he do that? How would he, as the scriptures say, uh, well, preaching the gospel to the poor is obvious, obvious, but he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. Okay, I can get that. Or recovery of sight to the blind. Or to set at liberty those that are oppressed. So again, how would he do that? All right? So I'd like to suggest to you a couple thoughts. Would that be all right? Number one, I'd like to suggest to you that he may do that by, um, <clears throat> he may minister God's creative power to someone. He might come to them and say, you know, this isn't the will of God that you be bound or that you be infirmed or that you be blind or whatever. And he lays his hand on them or he spits on them or he didn't spit on them, but you know what I'm saying. And, and he heals them by God's power, the spirit of God being on him, virtue flowing from him and they get healed. But I'd like to suggest to you, too, that another way that he would do what he just got done saying that he was anointed to do, that he was sent for, just like you and I are sent, and that would be that he may communicate the truth concerning their situation. In other words, they've been living in bondage and whatever the case might be, and all of a sudden he says, we're not having any more of this. It might manifest itself this way, that... Because here's the thing, with believing the word comes freedom. Well, you don't know my circumstance, you know, you don't know what it is that I, I really don't. And I can certainly empathize with the fact that I can't maybe relate or, or but, but with believing comes freedom. You know, if you, t if you keep tying yourself to your experience or whatever, you never will be free. But if I can say to you, listen, you, you, don't, you don't have to let this control and dominate your life. It's, it's to be regretted that it happened, but listen, you don't have to stay here anymore. It'd be like God just saying, take my hand and I'll, I'll lead you out of this. Come with me. You don't have to stay there. But see, the devil lies to people and say, no, you'll never get out. You'll always have this, you know, it'll be a yoke around your neck, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. I said it doesn't have to be that way. So, so you know, it could be as simple as saying you are no longer bound by alcohol. You don't have to be bound by drug addictions or some type of substance abuse. You can be free. Wouldn't he say that to them? Huh? He said, I'm the one that was sent so that you could get free. It might come, you know, one, one time he, he made the statement. He says, he said, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. Well, she was, I mean, bowed together, never had, you know, stood up, 
and and uh, and and he just said, "You are loosed from your infirmity." He spoke into that situation. Don't wear this watch to church, okay? Siri just said, could you say that again? <laughs> anyway, I'm right in the middle of something good here too. So, so he said, you are loosed from your infirmity. He didn't say, you know, well, let's, let's pray about this and see what happens. Or, you know, maybe if, you know, God sees fit and he's gonna be gracious, maybe you could get healed. He didn't do that. He said, You're lo- I came so you could be free. Tonight, I'm telling you, he came so you could be free. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be in any despair. You don't have to be, you know, fearful about anything. Because thank God he came to deliver you and set you free. You know, he could say you're no longer bound and impoverished by lack. Because I came so you wouldn't have to be. Are you with me? Christ redeemed us from the curse, being made a curse for us. You know, so there's all these scriptures. But I'll close with this. The word of God has to be believed. You got to believe it. I believe it. How many of you believe it tonight? I'm telling you, praise God. You know, it has to be believed that it is spoken regarding you. I'm going to believe the word. I'm going to believe, praise God, that he'll change my circumstance. Some of you got dire situations, difficult things. I'm telling you, nothing is too difficult for him. Huh? But you do have to believe that, right? Remember when the angel, when Gabriel came to Mary? Well, first he came to Zechariah. Gabriel went to Zechariah. He said, there ain't no way that's going to happen. I mean, he didn't say that. I mean, you don't read that in the scriptures, but essentially, he didn't believe a word. <laughs> I mean, when an angel shows up, dude, when you're administering, you know, this, the, the sacerdotal things of the, of, of the kingdom, you ought to at least pay attention and listen, huh? He goes, well, how's that going to happen? You know, she's barren. We've been barren forever. You know, I'm old, whatever. He said, well, so it's going to happen. But just for that, you can just be dumb and not be able to speak until it's all over with so you don't screw any more of it up. You, you know? So he was. He couldn't speak for nine months. And as soon as they asked what the name of the child was, he wrote it down and said, it's not, his name's John. Not my name. His name's John. As soon as that happened, his tongue was loose. He began to prophesy about his child and what it is that we do. But now Mary... You know, now she said, how can these things be seen? I know not a man. It wasn't, it didn't have doubt and unbelief in it. She just, you know, how can that be? There's a difference. One can't talk. The other one says, be it unto me according to your word. So it's got to be believed. When I tell you tonight, God is a good God, that he loves you, he's on your side, he's for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? I mean, all of the, we have to believe it. You know, how many of you say you believe it? Amen. Praise God. And if you'll believe his word, he'll change everything. So a lot of times, you know, we don't have to, you know, trouble ourselves about how he's going to do it. We're not going to do it. But thank God we can believe him and he will do it. Let's everybody stand. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, I just want you to close your eyes with me for a moment. I want you to think about certain circumstances, you know, that may exist in your life. Could be chronic could be something, you know, that you've been concerned about and you say, oh, pastor, can, you, can I give you my list? Well, you know, whatever you got going, I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about the things that you're dealing with or facing.
Now, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to just consider it to be something that maybe represents a suitcase or something that you might carry. And we're gonna take these things, we're gonna put them in the hands of our Heavenly Father, and we're gonna walk away and leave them with Him. Because I tell you what, praise God, He loves you, cares about you, wants the best for you. Now, you may have to do some changing, okay? I, you know, sometimes our behaviors, our actions, sometimes the things that we say, they, they, they torpedo our faith. And so I want you to just commit in your own heart. Now, Lord, I'm not going to act like this, and I'm not going to talk in a way that would be detrimental to what it is that I believe. Father, I pray for these folks that are here tonight, and even those that are watching online. And Lord, we all have our circumstances and needs, and you're fully aware of it. But you stand ready, Father. You stand waiting just to be able to help us in every circumstance that we face in life. And so, Father, we bring these matters to you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And as it would re represent something we might carry or a, a, a suitcase or something, Father God, just as you said, we cast our care over onto you because you care for us. And we leave these matters with you. Everybody say, I leave these matters with you. And Father, I just thank you, Father God, for the weight, the, the, the load and the burden being now lifted in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That Father, that freedom, that joy, that peace, that contentment and confidence can be granted to each and every one of them. And Father, I also pray just by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that if these concerns they have deal with relationships, Father, we pray for those folks and we bear them before you right now in the name of Jesus. Now, if you got someone, you know, that, that represents the, the matter that you're dealing with, I want you to pray for them right now. The Bible says that we're to pray for those that, again, despitefully use us, persecute us. You know, I don't know what, how, what, how it represents, what it represents in your life, but I want you to pray for them right now, just out of your own heart. Hallelujah. Father, thank you right now. We lift up these people before you, Father. We pray for them. Oh, God, how they need your grace, how they need your mercy. And, Father God, we love you and we love them because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. And so I want to thank you right now, Father, for blessing them, helping them, and, and encouraging them in the way of truth. Satan, we come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth and every one of them that you've used as a weapon or an instrument. In the name of Jesus, we break your power. And Father God, I thank you right now for your divine grace being administered in every one of these circumstances, that you turn these circumstances, these relationships around. And if necessary, Father, I thank you for helping that situation to be removed from our life. And so, Father God, that your grace and your blessing may flow in the name of Jesus, that love may prevail and abound. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for the financial needs that are represented here this evening, and again, those that maybe are watching online. 
And Father, you said in your word that as we give, it'll be given to us. And I know that these are givers, people that participate, Father, in giving and receiving. And so, Father, we look to you. We cast our care onto you. We thank you, Lord, because you promised, you said that you would supply our every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we believe you tonight, Father. We don't know how, we don't know where from, but Father, we trust you. Thank you for leading us, guiding us, showing us, speaking to us about those things that you would have us to do to meet every need in the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you thanks for it. Thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the peace that only you can give to each and every one of us in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated.